and then it will exist on our website after the fact and also on our Facebook page. So if you ever want to share the video, it is there for you. Okay. Alrighty. All right, I'm gonna push us live. Ready? <laughs> Sounds good. Yep, thank you. Hold on, Facebook likes to take its time. <laughs> Here we go. All righty. Hello, everyone. Welcome. I hope you all are having a wonderful day. My name is Skylar Rossi. I am the senior digital editor here at Missouri Business Alert, and I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. Um, for those of you who are new to Missouri Business Alert, we are a digital publication that provides top business news from across the state. We also host events like this one as a resource for the state's business community. Today's conversation is focused on climate innovation and what it takes to fund climate-focused ideas. We're going to hear from both the investor and the entrepreneurship side. But before we get into the discussion, I do want to thank the sponsor of today's event, Show Me LeaderCast. The LeaderCast event will feature authorities on leadership for a day of education and entertainment. The event is taking place Wednesday, May 3rd at Woodcrest Auditorium in Columbia, and you can find more information at showmeleadercast.com. Throughout today's conversation, we do wanna hear from you. So if you have any questions, please leave them below in the chat of this Facebook Live. We'll be monitoring the chat and we'll have time to get to those questions at the end. So now I'd like to introduce today's speakers. Ian Adams is the Managing Director of Evergreen Climate Innovations. The Chicago-based nonprofit invests in climate technology innovation in the Midwest. I'm also joined by Mary Fernandez, who's the co-founder and president of Solus AgroSciences. Solus is a plant sciences startup in St. Louis that launched last year, and it's raised about $6 million in funding. Ian and Mary, thank you so much for taking the time today to give us your insights. Thank you, Scott. So to start off, let's illustrate the funding environment for climate-focused startups. Ian, can you give us an overview of what the funding space looks like for entrepreneurs building climate innovations? Certainly. I would say there's been a lot of growth in funding available for climate-focused startups over the last five to seven years um, after a, a period where there really wasn't much attention. Uh, that said, the venture funding landscape and the climate funding landscape as well has uh, had a little bit of a drawback over the last 12 to 18 months after sort of peaking in 2021. So less uh, positive than it was then, but a lot more resources uh, than a number of years ago. 
And in addition to uh, early stage investors, there's also a lot more resources when it comes to things like accelerators, fellowships, incubator programs, other support resources, some of which provide capital and some do not in helping uh, the growth of early stage startups. Awesome, thank you for that explanation. Um, Mary, tell us about your experience raising funding. Where were you able to find investments for Solus AgroSciences? Yeah, so Solus is an interesting company because it's a kind of a one of a kind B2B company. And we offer the ag tech industry an on-demand uh, research and development platform for product discovery and development. So what that means is we can design, create, test, and deliver new plant varieties uh, that are climate resilient, for example, to our clients, right? Um, and, and so we were we are a biogenerator built company. I like to say that biogenerator is our lead investor um, from the seed stage. Uh, it's the startup, it's a venture arm of BioSDL for those who don't know, which is an ecosystem builder based in St. Louis. And I think we benefited immensely from the catalytic uh, aspect of having uh, biogenerator as our seed investor. Um, and then I think, well, what my experience was that, you know, and I can only speak to my, from my perspective as an entrepreneur, not from the investor's perspective. So you have Ian there, but I would say we had a strong team that was delivering. We had solid traction. We were revenue generating from day one. Um, you know, our business fundamentals were strong um, and that is really helpful in, when you have all of those specifics. Um, and we reached out to investors uh, with a high transparency and uh, our investment uh, needs. Um, and, you know, we, we were really very, very um, supported, uh, highly supported by the investors we got. Yeah. Um, and who are some of your investors? I know you mentioned Biogenerator. Who are some of the others? Yeah, so Biogenerator was our seed investor. But when we went into this round, you know, I said they were catalytic. But our lead investors, Herman Companies, or Herman Companies, um, and then also um, um, Jim McKelvey um, from Square and yeah, so uh, those those are our three main investors, Herman Companies, Jim McCulvey, and Biogenerator. And then we also had, you know, several um, angel investors and other smaller home offices. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And Ian, what are some of the challenges that entrepreneurs face in the climate tech space when they're raising funding? Sure. Yeah, I think one is that a lot of um, the solutions that folks are providing are hardware solutions. So within that hardware space, um, that tends to have longer lead times, requires, it tends to be more capital intensive to, to bring to market. So that means that those business models are a little bit less well aligned sometimes with the adventure investment model. You know, unlike, uh, you know, venture also invests in other you know, deep tech solutions like life sciences and pharma, but those tend to have very, uh, very well-defined moats, and there's a very well-defined process there for sort of buying and selling those those products and solutions. So I think that is one challenge area. Another challenge area that I think is actually evolving is historically there is a bunch of solutions that we know we need to address climate, but the regulatory and market environment doesn't necessarily align with um, those solutions scaling up quickly. Um, so that's historically been a stumbling block because venture investors don't want to take on regulatory risk typically. 
However, I think with recent legislation and activity over the last 18 months, that's starting to change and move from a challenge to an opportunity as some folks are seeing new areas which uh, have you know, very secure um, policy or regulatory regimes that are going to provide a tailwind for them. Sure, that makes sense. And Mary, what challenges did you run into while you were raising funding? I think mostly it was, I will say that, you know, investors are used to having product companies and we were not a product company. We're a service company. It's kind of unique. And that's why I said we're a unique company. In ag tech, you don't see very many uh, service-based companies on the discovery product development side, right? Offering a platform um, that's service-based, purely fee-for-service. So I think explaining that and to investors was uh, was unique. They had never seen a company like this before. So in some ways, we were disrupting the market. Uh, so we had a competitive advantage in other ways. Um, and that was attractive to them. Got it. And Ian, through your work at Evergreen Climate Innovations, what are you looking for in a business? What makes you say, we want to invest in this company? Sure. You know, we're looking for a few things to, to, to check a few boxes. You know, we're looking for a entrepreneur that's solving a really specific problem um, that, that, is, that is sort of acutely felt in a large market with a strong and credible team. And for us, we have a unique uh, model because we leverage philanthropic capital to make uh, early stage investments to help these uh, innovators commercialize their technology. We're really looking for impact. So Typically, that's climate impact. Um, that said, another thing we're looking for, and I think that all, all investors are really looking for, is like how they can help and like their alignment. I think that can sound trite because that you know folks are bringing a check, but really investors may may often end up focusing on a really specific slice uh, area. And so, if you're if a company's out of that strike zone, you know they may not be the right company for them at that time. That's not a value judgment on the company. That's just, you know, this is exactly sort of the sort of thing that we're looking for. Gotcha. And can you give us a little bit of an overview of some of the types of companies that Evergreen Climate Innovations has invested in? Sure, sure. So I would say um, uh, most of our companies are uh, deep tech or hardware companies, although we invest in some software as well. Um, a couple of companies that are uh, in the Missouri area that sort of this, that, that sort of speak to our range because we invest in climate solutions companies across the Midwest, uh, but really anything under climate. So one company is Rebundle, based in the St. Louis area, that is uh, developing plant-based uh, alternatives to uh, hair braids. Uh, and another company is uh, Idlesmart, based in the Kansas City area, which provides a solution that reduces uh, idle times for long haul trucks. So uh, trucking fleets can save fuel and save money while cutting down on emissions. But we invest across you know, energy, mobility, consumer products, uh, material science and beyond. Awesome. And Mary, from your perspective, what have you found works in the pitch room to uh, get that investment from investors? Yeah, I think what works from my perspective, again, is being very succinct and transparent and clear, you know, um, not beating around the bush, not, uh, you know, overinflating things, being very realistic and just telling 
the investors what you're about, what your company is about, what your market size is, you think, um, you know, why you are the best team to execute on the strategy, why they should invest in you, you know, how your business model fits their investment thesis, right? And that's very important. You might have an excellent investor, but your business model is just a little bit outside of your investment thesis, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But understanding who you're pitching to, uh, learning what they're looking for, and then speaking to those uh, needs that the investors have. And then, you know, showing confidence in your product. You know, you if, if you're running this company, you have to be able to speak to it and speak to the vision and how you're going to execute on the vision. You know, why you're, uh, you, you're what your competitive advantage is, really. You know, um, investors, I think, like to see some level of traction, such as user, customer growth, you know, revenue, partnerships with key players, things like that. So I think that's very helpful to share. Um, at least I've found that in, and basically just, you know, um, really approaching it as a conversation, right? And and not so much like you're on the dock here, you know, it's, it's, um, it's really a conversation about, you know, is there a fit? By the end of the day, there's money, right? There's money. Is it the right kind of money for you? And as Ian said, you know, investors also want to have some skin in the game and, you know, contribute in other ways. And, you know, how do you reach out and make sure that they're uh, partnering with you and you're learning from them and they're helping you? Sure. And talking about the right fit, you know, a lot of climate technology um, startups do have like a social impact focus. So I'm curious from both of your perspectives, how much of a role that plays and if investors looking to invest in climate are really prioritizing that social entrepreneurship aspect. Um, Ian, maybe we can start with you. Sure. I think it depends on the investor. You know, it's something we definitely are paying attention to. We are evaluating all of our companies, all the companies we look at from a business perspective, but we're also modeling their impact potential and looking at some of these other uh, factors. So our investments in uh, Rubando, for example, that social impact was, was totally relevant to that. The existing incumbent product is uncomfortable and carcinogenic. So that's a good example where uh, there's a really direct social impact. Um, but it would depend on the investors. Some investors are just in this space because they think that it's a rapidly growing space and the social side may be a positive, but it may not be what is moving the needle for them. Sure. And Mary, what has been your perspective on that? Yeah, I think um, Ian's right. I think also from our perspective, we are kind of broad. We are helping so many of our clients, you know, achieve their social impact goals. And, and we were also looking to grow um, and expand our footprint. Um, plant growth is a big area for us. Um, and, and we really prioritize growing plants sustainably and in an eco-friendly way. And I think that was important to some of our investors, right? Because um, we're trying to take this new model and apply it to R&D where, you're growing plants in a very, very um, eco-friendly way, you know, using compost, for example, you know, using uh, integrated pest management uh, techniques. And, and that was important, I think, also. Got it. And my next question is about the Midwest ecosystem specifically. Um, clearly, the ecosystem is different than places like Silicon Valley or New York City. Um, what is it like to raise funding in the Midwest uh, for climate innovation? Mary, maybe we can start with you. 
Sure. I think, you know, um, we're in the middle of, you know, all where all of the soybean and corn is grown in the U.S., right? So we're right in the middle of, you know, ag, where ag happens, right? Um, what's a better place than here to start climate investments and climate entrepreneurships, right? Um, I think uh, I've found that um, there's a lot of local support for local homegrown companies. Um, and there is a lot of um, individual and, and other entities that support climate investment theses uh, and companies. Um, I think you just have to look and, you know, spread the word. You know, there are a lot of incubators. There's Arch Grants, for example, that has this act tech trade uh, track um, that, that supports climate companies. Um, and, and I think um, it's, it's unique, right? Because you can get started here and then you can grow. Um, you don't necessarily have to get the big investors from Silicon Valley. Um, that may not be the right fit for you. That makes sense. And Ian, what is your perspective on uh, investing in climate technology startups in the Midwest specifically? Certainly. You know, one of the reasons that my organization was originally founded was to help support the, the climate tech ecosystem and the, the space in general in this Midwest region, which historically had a little bit less centrality because there were lots of great innovation access, uh, innovation assets, entrepreneurs, large corporates, research, but they weren't all in the same place the way they are in Silicon Valley. But I think what Mary was touching on about being in the center of things is really important, that centrality. So some of it, I think, depends on the space you're in. You know, in the ag tech space, you know, being in the St. Louis area is actually a really fantastic place because there's large corporates, there's money, people are familiar with this, you know, you've got potential pilots and, and customers. Um, there may be other sectors where it's not as quite as well aligned. So I do think writ large, it, it is overall harder for startups to raise in the Midwest than on the coast. There's less money. That's part of why we exist. Um, that said, on, on the other hand, with uh, coming out of the pandemic, a lot of investors became more comfortable investing remotely and you know, hopping on Zoom calls and making investments that way. So I think that environment is easing up some. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. Um, I wanted to pivot things here to a future outlook. Um, we know interest rates are rising, inflation remains elevated, Ian, I'd love to get your thoughts on what's the impact of these economic conditions on the climate innovation space? How will investors react this year? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Uh, I'm not a macroeconomist, but I think one thing you see is when there are other opportunities, when the, there's this trade-off between uh, growth and profitability. When interest rates are lower, there tends to be on the margin more interest towards growth. When interest rates are higher, there tends to be on the margin more interest towards profitability to the extent that you're looking at early stage companies that are quite a ways from being uh, profitable. I think on the margin that does uh, potentially uh, reduce some of the interest in, in uh, providing capital flows in that direction. That said, you know, we work in a space that where you're commercializing solutions, they're still uh, quite a, a ways from, from the market. Uh, in typically, and so they're a little bit buffeted by that. And I think we've got overlapping trends. You, you've got these you know, macro environments and challenges there. But on the other hand, there's a growing recognition of climate as a really important area. There was a huge run up in funding, a lot more focus, more uh, policy in place. 
more corporate action. And so there's all these other factors that are that are becoming more supportive. So uh, I guess I'll, I'll definitively end by saying it, it depends. <laughs> And Mary, on the entrepreneurship side, uh, will inflation and worries about a recession make it harder to raise money? I think, you know, it depends, right? Um, I think if if you're delivering on, on your vision and on your goals, I think you're in a solid place, right? Um, I think that's very important. It's, I think, startups that are, or companies that are trying to grow into their valuation and need to borrow more money, you know, and are not able to, you know, show um, proof of concept or deliver, you know, whether it's uh, ARRs or, you know, or higher profit margins. I think those will, those startups and companies will have a harder time than companies that, you know, are, you know, bootstrapped or are really tightening their belts, you know, using their money responsibly, have enough of a runway, you know, are focused on, on their product development and, you know, building and growing in other ways. For our, in our perspective, from our perspective, you know, we are revenue generating. We have clients now across the U.S. and international as well. So that's helpful for us. It gives us a little bit of a cushion um, in, in, in times that are challenging. Yeah. Gotcha. And um, this, is a, this is a big question, but, you know, as experts continue to raise alarms about climate change, um, what role will companies and startups in the space have in really this giant problem of, of climate change? Ian, maybe if you can offer some thoughts on that. Yeah. Sure. I think with okay. the companies that we uh, work with, um, you know, many of them are providing sort of innovative, you know, solutions sort of in that deep tech space. They, they do take longer to come to market, but we, we need these solutions. You know, we sort of know collectively, we know how to decarbonize uh, or take the first steps towards decarbonization and reducing our emissions. And so sort of those first few steps, um, we can make a lot of progress with the solutions we already have. A lot of that's just putting, you know, building a lot of wind and solar, uh, transitioning to electric vehicles and, you know, other technology that's available. But to really go the whole distance, in a lot of these areas, particularly the, what are called some of these harder to decarbonize sectors, uh, long distance transportation in air and ma marine uh, travel, uh, steel, cement, other building products, uh, things like that. Uh, you know, we, are, we still need new innovations and solutions. So I think the companies that we're working with today will help us get over the hump uh, tomorrow. But that's, that doesn't mean that we, there's not a lot that can be done today with existing you know, on the market technology. And Mary, what are what are your thoughts? Yeah, on that? I would say, yeah, climate change is like the existential defining crisis of our times, right? And there's um, happy to see, you know, so much more support and traction for investment in this space. Um, and ag, in particular, you know, does contribute a lot to emissions and in this in the in this environment. Uh, I think what we're trying to do is, you know, help our clients develop climate resilient plans, you know, um, grow plants where with um, poorer soils, for example, you know, grow plants with less high intensive uh, inputs, right? Um, low, lower nitrogen, less fertilizer. So, so we have a range of clients that we're supporting produce 
and discover and develop a range of different products that all will help, you know, mitigate this climate uh, crisis that we're in. And we know that, you know, it's not getting any better soon. We're running out of time. You know, we're going to hit 10 billion people pretty soon, you know, um, by 2050. And we are shrinking farmland. You know, we have water resources. We have climate change and the unpredictability that comes with that. And so um, I think people are realizing that this area and the space needs investment. Um, it's not enough to just invest in fintech and, you know, those um, just other deep tech areas, right? Ag tech is also important and climate tech is important. Sure, sure. And what advice do you all have for climate tech entrepreneurs in Missouri or in the Midwest who are looking to raise funding? Um, Mary, if maybe if you want to start with you. Um, I would say um, be very um, specific about what your product or your service is doing and how it's having an impact, right? So what was the value that it brings to the marketplace? Um, and then have a business plan to execute on it, um, have a, a credible team to execute on it, um, and, you know, just, just hustle, right? Just go out, you know, find people to talk to and, you know, uh, try to get a proof of concept, an MVP, you know, a minimal viable product going, you know, um, show it, you know, speak about it, you know, uh, be the evangelist for your company, you know, and uh, um, just do it, you know because there is money there. People know that this is an important space to fund. Um, like I said, it's a very, very uh, critical need. Um, and, you know, Ian's uh, uh, investment company, you know, it, he's just said he's supports many different areas in climate, right? It could be energy, it could be um, we're looking at products um, and we're looking at mitigating, um, you know, uh, the effects of climate change on uh, crops, for example. So I think there's money there. Um, we just need to um, speak to the investors and speak to what our products deliver. And Ian, what is your advice for entrepreneurs looking to raise funding in the climate space? Sure. Uh, well, like Mary said, there is money out there. There are a lot of investors. There are a lot of resources out there. We actually have a blog post on this subject, sort of how to get started on, on there at our blog at evergreeninno.org, which I encourage folks to check out. Um, in general, I would say, you know, make sure you're, you know, take it, approach it like you would approach a lot of other things you do in life. Make sure you're prepared. Give yourself enough time and uh, don't take things too personally. So having the right materials on the front end that you're, you're ready to with the relevant uh, uh, materials and can answer questions, uh, giving yourself enough time. It is a, a time intensive process. And invariably everyone that raises money successfully hears a lot of those um, for a, a variety of reasons. So, you know, if an investor passes on you, it's not a judgment on you as a person or a judgment on your business. It may just not be a fit. Another thing I'll say from a perspective of, Talking to early stage founders, you know, a lot of investors don't actually want to invest in someone the first time they meet them, although they, they, they may have to, depending on the timing. What they want is to get to know someone and see if the story they're telling comes true. When someone shows up and says, hey, we're going to grow at 100% over the next two months, that sounds great. If you talk to that person and then two months later, that has actually happened, that's a really strong uh, validation signal that they 
have made a plan and are actually executing it. So um, like Mary said, it's a relationship with investors. They're making decisions for who to be involved with for many, many years to come. Um, so uh, I'd say it's a, it's some of it's a numbers game, but, you know, spend time, do your research when you're reaching out to investors. Uh, so if they don't invest in, in the space you uh, are operating in, it's not worth spending your time with them. And, and don't, uh, don't worry about being told no. Yeah. And I would also say, um, tell the investors, how are you going to be using that money that you're asking for, right? It's important to show what your plan is, what your vision is, and your strategy is, how you're going. This money is going to help you um, achieve your goals. Agreed. Great, great. Well, that is all the time we have for today. Yeah. Ian and Mary, thank you so much for joining us. It was really great to hear your perspectives. Um, and thank you so much to everyone at home for tuning in as well. If you'd like to keep up with everything else Missouri Business Alert is doing, you can check out our daily email newsletter called The Morning Minutes. Uh, the Morning Minutes delivers the day's top business news from across Missouri, and you can subscribe for free at MissouriBusinessAlert.com slash subscribe. And you can also keep up with us on our website, which is MissouriBusinessAlert.com. Thank you, everyone, for being here and have a great end to your week. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. That was really great. It was really great to hear your perspectives on, on this. I thought it went really well. Excellent. Thanks, Happy to hear Thanks, Ian. Well, Where are you based, Ian? Uh, Mission Chicago. Our, our team is up here, yeah. Okay, cool. That's what I thought. <laughs> all right. Well, it was really great to meet you all and see your faces. Likewise. And talk over the phone, thank you so much, Skylar. Enjoy the rest of your week. You too. Right, thank Bye. You. Bye. All right, Bye. Take care. Take care.